there's different levels, right? Pick up a pen, write a book. The question is, what do you want? What are you going for? Does your current skill match the thing that you're trying to do? If it does, all right, cool. Write the world-changing book that will help grow your personal brand and your business as it makes the world a better place. Welcome to the Author's Corner, hosted by Robin Colucci. Every episode, we bring you some of the most successful authors, as well as other industry experts, to share some inspiration, motivation, tactical strategy, and fun. We'll also talk about the challenges and trends in the publishing industry. Don't get stuck in the idea phase. Join the Author's Corner today. Start writing the book you've dreamed about. Hello and welcome to the Author's Corner. I am your host, Robin Colucci, and you know, as I reflect upon my guest today, I recall uh, humorously a client that I had a couple years back who was a attorney, and we had a butting of heads over many aspects of his writing process, and we developed kind of an inside joke about how you know, one of these days, he would say to me, one of these days, Robin, you will succeed at teaching me how to write like a person and not like a lawyer. And I guess I'm thinking of that story because my guest today is also an attorney. Dwayne Allen Thomas is a lawyer and a graduate of the University of Pennsylvania's Master of Applied Positive Psychology program. And Dwayne has really taken it upon himself to develop himself as a writer. And he is getting published quite a bit. He writes about social and psychological roots of success and lots of other stuff for his blog, the Cross-Examined Life, which appears regularly on Psychology Today. His essay, A White Man Called Me N, was selected as a semifinalist in Boulevard's Emerging Writers Contest. His articles, How to Beat Any Test and You Versus Your Mentor, were selected as essential topics by Psychology Today, and his essay on being an ally was deemed an essential read by Psychology Today. His writing also has appeared in the New York Law Journal and Law Practice Today. And having Duane on our show, we talked a lot about the process of writing and some of the things that he has done that have helped to make him a better writer. And I sincerely believe that by the end of this episode, not only have some tremendous tips and ideas on how you can up-level your own writing, but we also, be sure to check the show notes because Duane also very generously provided us a list of, I think, about a dozen books that he has found to be the best resources for people to read who want to learn how to better write. Enjoy. So, Duane, welcome to the Author's Corner. Thanks a lot for having me. I'm so thrilled to have you because it's always fun to talk to you. And I was reading some of your articles and I wanted to ask you about, because I know, I think we talked a little bit about your article writing. It was probably a couple of years ago now. And so I'm curious, because I think that 
anybody who wants to author a book, eventually, <laughs> writing <laughs> articles is a really great way to start to get some bylines. And right. I'm sorry, I'm up here shaking my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Because we can see each other, but the audience is only getting audio. So good adjustment there. So I guess I'd love for you to share for our listeners, like, what had you get into article writing? Because this is a fairly new thing for you, as I recall. Yeah. So I'll try to give you the short version because there's a really long version, a long okay. version, and a short version. Okay. If you Whatever like you think version, is best. <laughs> the long version starts with a crush on a girl. The much longer version starts when I was 16 or 17. So I used to write when I was younger. And then what ended up happening was, you know, like I wrote songs. I used to rap. We, you know, so I used to rhyme, I used to write songs, I used to write stories when I was in high school. And what ended up happening was I got to college and I wrote an article. A friend of mine edited out all my jokes. Like the entire thing was jokes. And what? yeah, <laughs> so I stopped writing in college. Just Oh, like, wow. So that just shut you down. Yeah, I was really upset. I didn't ever want anybody to touch any of my work ever again. And, and so... But what ends up happening eventually is that the shortened version of the story is that when I got to uh, Penn, I'm in the positive psychology program at Penn, and one of the assistant instructors there at the end of the program says I should get into public speaking because he saw me on stage and he's like, oh, well, you have this presence and all of that stuff. And, it go, you know, I go back and forth and he convinces me to do it. So I look up how to get involved in public speaking. And one of the ways was, you know, you write a book, you write an article, and you have to basically show that you are a person who understands this topic, whatever topic it might be. And so eventually I ended up, I said, okay, so I'll start writing articles. So I started a blog. And after about six months, I wrote everything I wanted to write. And from there, what ends up happening is I say, well, I can stop now or I can continue and I decided that I wanted to learn more about writing, it snowballed from there. And so that's how I got into, that's the short-tish version of how I got into writing articles. So, because writing for your blog is one thing, but writing for other publications, including Psychology Today, which you write for on a regular basis, is quite another. So at what point did you make that transition and what drove that decision? So this is October of whatever year it was, let's say 16. I think it was October of 16 when I started deciding that I wanted to write, you know, get better at writing. And I bought so many books. <laughs> I think, I don't know how many books I've read through, but about two years later, I believe I said to myself, okay, I think I'm good enough to try to move forward. And so I just randomly asked a question in a group that we're both in, in Facebook. And I said, does anybody know anything about professional writing? I just want some advice. And I met an editor there, um, Hara Morano, who was on your show before a couple of weeks ago. And so she and I have a conversation and she says, I should consider writing for psychology today. And that's how I got involved in that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So what was it like when you had to produce the, your first article for Psychology Today? Like, what kinds of feelings did you go through? I don't know about feeling so much. It was really just, all right, well, what is it that I want to do? And how do I want to do it? So she and I actually had like a long conversation about what kind of things you might want to talk about oh, great. before she even suggested it. So eventually it became, all right, so what are you going to talk about? So 
becomes the social and psychological success because that's what I was interested in at the time coming out of my master's degree. And then I like to joke around. So eventually it became the social and psychological roots of success and other stuff. Right. <laughs> and then, so that helps to put a little bit of my personality in it, but it also reflects the fact that I may not necessarily want to talk about success on any given day. Sure. And, and Harrow also mentioned that my interests may change over time. Yeah. Yeah. And so the very first thing that I wrote was basically, all right, I'll do an introduction. I don't remember. There was some other blog I had read, and I went all the way back to the first post. I think it was a writing blog by an agent. It was basically, you know, an introduction. Here's what we're going to talk about, or here's why. And so that's pretty much what I did, except that I, it was, why is a lawyer talking about psychology? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be a legitimate question. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just what did you say, pray tell? <laughs> I basically just explained how I got into psychology in the first place, which is part of the longer story I was telling you about that started with a question a girl. So I got into psychology because, not because of the question a girl, it just, it snowballed from there, right? Uh -huh. So the main reason was while I was in law school, I ended up running the school newspaper. I ran an article on the bar exam. And while I was doing that, I found out that half of the black students had failed the bar. And ah. so they're like, hey, what's going on here? Mm. And then it turned out the next year, the year that I graduated, everyone passed. So I came to the conclusion, and then the next year went down. So what ended up happening was that I learned from the experience that the story is that the pass rate was originally artificially inflated because of the recession, it had gone down, it was starting to go back down to normal. And then US News and World Report changed its rankings system. It changed the methodology and a bunch of schools got shuffled and all of the students got nervous. So everybody is saying, oh, I'm not gonna get a job. So they all study and everyone uh passes. So many additional people passed that the New York State's pass rate went up by 3%. Wow. And so you have a situation where in the school that I graduated from, I expected the pass rate to be 85 and went up to 94. And the <laughs> black students went from half of them passed to 91% passed. And then the what? next year, the year after that went back to normal. Really? Just because of US News and World Report shuffling their rankings. Wow. And so it made sense that, okay, so these students, this theoretical... 40% of black students in my school at that time, and the theoretical 3% of all of the students in New York, and some like 9% of the students in my school, they had the ability to pass, they had the skills and training to pass, but it was something psychological going on, which was the reason why that they weren't normally passing. I said, okay, well, since there's something psychological going on, I should go to school for psychology, because this seems like something I want to figure out. And that's how I got into psychology, to try to figure out the answer to that question. Wow. And that really is astounding. First of all, passing the New York bar, I hear, is one of the tougher bar exams. So pass. I heard, but, you know, no but problem. I don't know. Maybe that's just what people uh, who failed say. So, I don't so know. now they have something called the Uniform Bar Examination, which oh, New okay. York is taking now. But oh, at okay. the time, California was ranked number one. New York was ranked number two. I also have a New Jersey license, and New Jersey was significantly easier than New York at the time. Okay. So, so it was a tough exam at the time. 
But to go from what, 3% to 90% is just no, fine. No, no, I'm no, sorry, 50%, from, 50%. Right, right 50 but to 90. still. Yeah. So you have a small group that goes from 50 to 90. You have a larger group of about 500 students that goes from 85 to 94. And then you have the entire state, which was about 17,000 people that goes up by 3% for one year. Yeah, that's really something. Yeah. And so how do you use the site? Because you still practice law, correct? Catch me up, because last time I heard you did. But I... <laughs> All right. So right now, it would be safe to say no. I was oh, not okay. practicing law. But the reason I was not practicing law was because I was working for a judge. And when you work for a judge, you're not allowed oh, to practice. pardon me. Yes, you were working <laughs> for a judge. I, but you were in the legal profession. Yes, yeah, I'm still in the and legal profession. And you still are. Okay. And yeah, so I am no longer with the judge. It's been about a month. So at this particular point, I am not working for the judge. I am still writing for Psychology Today, and mm -hmm. I am an assistant instructor at Penn in the Positive Psychology program. Oh, interesting. And okay. In the so undergraduate you're... version of the Positive Psychology program. Oh, that's cool. So you're moving more in that direction hopefully maybe in a couple of years i'll you know transition completely out of legal field and go into education and teaching that sort of thing oh nice and yeah so basically still following this one thread very cool yeah so you still want to follow this idea of like this motivation piece right right because i actually created a tutoring program after that right oh wow and so i've done three iterations of the tutoring program i'm currently not currently. I'm about to start writing the business plan for the next iteration. And so the main issue right now is trying to catch people when they're younger. So when they're taking the LSAT as opposed to the bar exam, because the closer you are to the bar exam or the day of the bar exam, the harder it is to get people to change their minds about the way that they're thinking about things. And mm -hmm. it's, so it's a lot easier to catch somebody earlier and say, look, you will pass because you'll put in the work and so on and so forth, as opposed to you will not pass because of the color of your skin or because of the school you went to or because of mm -hmm. your place in the class. Mm -hmm. And trying to bypass that is a lot easier if you catch people. That right makes now. sense. That makes sense. Yeah. And maybe they even do better in the program, too, if they're going in with a different expectation. Yeah, I would say so. But also some people who are definitely, this is like stereotype threat. And so some people are dealing with stereotype threat and stereotype threat is weird, right? Because what you can do with stereotype threat, it affects you in both directions, right? So one of the studies that's really famous is they took Asian women and gave them a math test. And when they reminded them that they were Asian, they did better on a math test because Asian has, you know, there's a stereotype that Asian people do well on math tests. When they reminded them that they were women, they did worse on a math test because there's a stereotype that women do worse on battle on math tests. And so... Same, same women. There's probably a control oh. group. Oh, different. Like yeah, that. okay. Gotcha. But, you know, like overall... That would be something. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, overall... The, the schizophrenic stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, but overall... So law school is weird because... Not weird, but... Law school, they have, they enforce a curve. So there's going to be some group of people that fall to the bottom of the class. In my school, 50% of the failures came from the bottom 25% of the class. But, you know, so like, you know that, and then, you know, whatever other reasons you might fail, 
to try to get that out of their head while they're in law school and law school is extremely stressful is extremely hard to pull off. So it's better to just catch people long before and just get that thought out of their head altogether. And then try to give them also the tools to do better on it, you know, do well, because some of the kids I, was, I had tutored, some weren't doing the work. One kid plagiarized answers. Boy. And so, you know, like if you don't do the work, you're not going to progress at all. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a little bit of both. You have to do the work and you have to not be trying to fight a stereotype. It absolutely doesn't matter at all. Yeah. Unfortunately, but unfortunately, that's what goes on in our heads. And yeah, no kidding. As I'm listening to this, I'm thinking of some of the challenges that people have around writing mm. and writer's block, or, you know, feeling like a lack of confidence in their writing or lack of confidence in their ability to write. Have you ever bumped into any of that? And if so, how do you use psychology to get over um, it? I'm pretty conceited, so no. <laughs> <laughs> But I would say that I've run into writing problems from time to time and, you know, it varies. So right now I'm writing an article. I'm not writing the article. I'm doing research for the article. Mm -hmm. But the way that I usually operate, I'll read whatever it is that I'm reading and then I'll write something. And so I had this whole thing about perfect first paragraph. And then the question was, how do I go to the next paragraph? So I dealt with this for like three or four days. And then I, <laughs> and then I emailed Hara because Hara is kind of my mentor, even if she doesn't know mm -hmm. it. And I said, <laughs> I said to her, uh, well, what do you do when you're stuck like this? And she says to me, well, why are you writing in order? You don't have to write in order if you don't want to. And I said, oh, I've never thought about that. Right, right. <laughs> it's <laughs> you know, so true. It's not with an article, it's never occurred to me to write like that. When I was writing legal decisions for the judge, mm. sure, you know, like I know that this law goes here, I want to deal with this law first, and then I'll go, to, you know, whatever law I want to go to. But writing yeah. an article has always oh, been, you know, straight down from front to back, front to the end, and just never occurred to me to do that. So the, yeah, I guess the short answer is I ask questions. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And you know, and I'm hearing like it is so important to have a guide, like a really good editor, a good mentor to be able to help you pass those kinds of things for sure. It can yeah, really yeah, I would say so. I mean, you know, if you don't know where to go next, yeah, it's definitely helpful to do that. I mean. You know, like I bug her. I don't bug her a lot, but <laughs> <laughs> bug her with random questions from time to time about right. what yeah. is it that I'm doing or something like that. Yeah, I use a lot of brackets, like insert blank here. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> something. This seems something about this here. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I might have to borrow that. <laughs> then you kind of have at least a sense of. It leaves me at least a sense of what I was thinking. You know, right. that might work there. Right. So, so I don't go back and go, why is, is there... <laughs> you don't want to forget there's a gap. That's for sure. Right, right. <laughs> the reminder yeah, I usually left. leave like a bright yellow thing. Where yes. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yellow highlight. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. I'm glad they put highlighter in word documents, you know, because we used to have to actually write on the paper, but it's nice to just be able to highlight something and then take it away. 
is this A there? Like, <laughs> sometimes you still forget that right, as you, right. go, you, know, you read the sentence. Like, I remember handing something to the judge once and she gets back to me, what does this sentence mean? And it was an incomplete sentence. I had deleted something and just right. forgot to add something back. <laughs> like, you know, one, like, one of the best, actually, I learned this at our little club, but I was leading a panel on writing and one of the best pieces of advice I heard that day was whatever you've written, read it to yourself out loud mm-hmm. before you turn it in. And then you'll hear where you left an incomplete sentence. <laughs> yeah, that's what I tell people all the time. But I usually say it in terms of making sense because yeah, exactly, yeah. the people that I'm mentoring are college students or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> right. Like, does this make sense? Say it right. out loud. Just listen to it. Just trust me on it. Right, like, right. It doesn't sound right. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it can look fine, but you really can tell. When right, you, when right, you right, hear right. it, you can really tell. I do it all the time. I read something back to myself, and I'm like, that, that doesn't make any sense. I'm supposed to know how to do this. So really, everybody should do it, because I don't care how experienced a writer you are. It, it really is. Right. Yeah. And I'm usually listening to sound anyway. So because I'm, I'm trying to like go for a particular effect. So I really want it to sound a particular mm-hmm. way when you're reading it. Yeah. You know, it's not like TV. You can't convey tone. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, you actually are pretty good at conveying some of those things that, you know, like with imagery. When I read your stuff, I'm able to picture in my mind's eye what you're talking about, which is makes it entertaining. Thanks a lot. I can't remember which book I got that from, <laughs> but I did get a lot of good advice from some books right now. I don't remember, like I said, I don't remember exactly where I got that piece of advice. Oh, it was Robert Caro, and he was talking about a sense of place in his book, uh-huh. uh, Working. And then he has this paragraph about, he was talking about Lyndon Johnson, and he has this paragraph about what it looked like to go to the town that Lyndon Johnson lived in. And it's like maybe three paragraphs describing how desolate it was. And it's like, and there in the middle of all of this sand is a farm. <laughs> like, all right, I want to do that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so like, you know, like I try to steal from everybody. And like I, all good writers do. Yes, yeah, all the that's best. That's my current project. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, and Jack Kerouac, that was a famous piece of his writing advice, right? Was to picture it, get the image in your mind and then describe the image. Right, right, right. I did not know that, but I'm learning. So hopefully I found that out. It's funny because that was what my father always told me. He was the writer himself. And I stumbled upon like the top 10 quotes from Jack Kerouac, who was, by the way, one of my father's favorite authors. And I saw the advice and I was like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) that's where you got it from. My father was a genius. No question. (laughs) But I'm like, that particular tidbit (laughs) was, let's shall we say, borrowed, (laughs) but also very good advice. (laughs) I think my favorite so far is there was a guy on YouTube who was a screenwriter and he talked about the importance of putting both emotion and structure into your work. And he was just saying that most people are good at one or the other. So if you're good at one, you have to put in work to do the other. And so from that point, I was better at the structure. I wasn't thinking about emotions. 
And so from that point, you know, I started putting emotions into the work and stuff. Actually, like if you read, especially the last few pieces, you could tell what I was reading beforehand because I've been reading stuff and then trying to learn from whoever I was reading. Oh, yeah. Putting things in that I learned. Mm-hmm. And so, that, you know, that's basically what I've been doing the last couple. So the last thing that I wrote, I was reading poetry. And so I learned some poetry stuff and popped it in there. <laughs> Yeah, that's terrific. And that's really a great way to become a better writer, right? Is to notice what other authors do. And, you know, it's kind of cool because when you imitate it, it'll never sound like the person you're imitating, right? So it's not like overtly stealing because it's really like you're just borrowing from what they, how they might have approached it and trying it on in your own personal way. You know, Which is always going to be unique. Yeah. I wish that I would have explained it like that to other people. Oh, okay. I think that might get a better reaction. And I've been getting when I've tried to explain the same concept using much different words. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just tell, you know, when I talk to people about it, I just say, like, all of the writing professors or persons <laughs> that I've known have said, just steal from other people. You know, you read, this is how you learn. You read other authors and you take what they learned from. And so I've been explaining it by, you know, talking about Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. And <laughs> yeah, right. Kobe okay. stole all of Michael's yeah. moves. Sure. And, but you but know, he Kobe-fied them. Right. right. <laughs> you know, it's like, this is how I get better. Like, if you like my stuff, you know, like I'm reading Tolstoy right now, like blame, to- you know, you can thank Tolstoy for the la- the next thing that I'm going to write. Well, it wasn't it T.S. Eliot who said like the best artists steal. <laughs> the best know. writers steal. I think it was. It was? You ought to know. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got to ask you, because you write a lot of articles, but do you see a book in your future? Yes, actually. But it keeps getting pushed back. And the reason why it keeps getting pushed back is because I have an interest in being good at what I'm doing. Mm. And at first it was, you know, when I first started writing, it was like, okay, I have this idea for a book, right? So the idea, the title would come first and the idea would come second. And then the work to write, it would come third. But especially the last couple of, I don't remember exactly when I started this project, but the last couple of years or the last couple of months, especially with me specifically reading fiction authors, I'm trying to do creative nonfiction. And so like the idea was always, oh, well, then I should probably read the fiction authors, right? And so since I've been good, reading- Good thinking, books, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so like I read, when I first did it, the very first time, you know, I read the book, I forgot, I want to say it was Lolita. And then I wrote something and, you know, using things that I learned from Nabokov. And it was better than the last one, the last thing that I wrote. And then I read the next book, which was Middlemarch by George Eliot. And I picked up some things that the commentaries talked about, about what she did. And, okay, I'm going to do that. And the next thing got better. And so every time I do this, the writing gets better. So I'm more motivated to continue on the path that I am, that I'm going on than to say, I'm going to put out a product because I'm just going to put out a product. You know, at some point in the future, I'll write something, just I'll be in a book, that is, just don't know when. But also, you know, like I know the economics of the publishing industry as well. 
And so, you know, I don't expect to make a lot of money on a book <laughs> or anything like that. And so, you know, you hope. And I figured my best chance of doing it is to write better. So maybe one of these days I'll be able to say, all right, I'm finally working on this thing. <laughs> Whatever. You know, this well, is out to do. I mean, I think you're doing the right things to get ready. And especially if, you know, if the writing quality is something that you want to make sure is really excellent, you're doing the right things for sure to practice and to look at what other authors do and see how try on different styles. Right, and, right. Yeah. Are you thinking you would write a fiction book or something related to your work? I think eventually I would go into fiction, partially because of uh, some of the psychological research that I've read. And yeah. so, you know, the idea with the psychological research is that Abba Bandura talked about it, is that people have a way of changing even if they're watching fiction. Right. And so one of the things that happened was there was a TV show called A Different World back in the days. And it was a college and a lot of black students actually ended up going to black colleges because they saw it on TV. And so this, oh, wow. You know, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So imitation is something that people do good or bad. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, like if I in the future still want to continue on with the thread that I'm going on, Perhaps writing a TV show would be a one way to take some characters that look like people in, out in the world and that have, let's say, a particular problem. Or in this case, oh, I want to pass the bar exam or I don't, or, you know, like how people have imposter syndrome. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. this person is just like me. They have the same feelings I do, but they still did it anyway. And so I'm going to go ahead and do that. So that's the idea for the future. Currently, the current ideas would be to do a memoir first and then do a nonfiction book about the psychological stuff and then start trying to do fiction because fiction writers have a higher output ratio than nonfiction writers. And then apparently you also tend to sell more if you have more, you know, if you put more out, somebody will read your book and then come back and read your other stuff. This uh, is true. This is true. Because you can build a following that way if somebody reads your fiction book and likes it and then they right. look for the next one. Right, right. So yeah, so maybe something like that. As of now, as of today, that's the current path. Who knows what tomorrow brings? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it may not work out like that at all. My life has never worked out the way that I thought it was going to work out. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> whose has? I don't know. <laughs> not, not, not mine. <laughs> right. Right. Tell me 10 uh, if you told me 11 years, wait, what year is this? This is 2022. If yeah. you told me back in 2008, I was going to be a lawyer. Like, <laughs> like nah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did you think you were, did you have like something in mind when you were growing up that you thought you wanted to be when you grew up? It would be everything when I was growing up. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> well, you're almost there. <laughs> So I was going to be a singer, a baseball player, oh, a yeah. rapper. I actually I still sing, so I got one of those. Huh? I was going to be a lawyer in ninth grade. I ended up becoming a lawyer. I have a story from when I was in fifth grade that said I want to be an astronaut. Uh, oh, yeah. And then, yeah, so I wanted to be everything at one point or another. My mother told me I wanted to be a priest. <laughs> but you don't believe her? <laughs> it's possible. I don't know. <laughs> It could be. <laughs> it's not going to happen, but <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's possible at some point. 
but yeah, I mean, I had different ideas about what I wanted at different times. And it was weird, not weird, but I think, so like I wanted to be a musician, but I wanted to be a musician because of the girls. Ah, right? yes, yes. You know, the, the girls, yeah. like, oh, you, you're going to be in the music business? Oh, I like you. Okay, great. Right. <laughs> so what was interesting to me was that after I had actually left the music business and then started writing again years down the road, it turns out that I really do enjoy the process of writing. And mm. it's not just something that not, I wanted to do. Just to get the girls, huh? Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and so perhaps if my friend hadn't edited out my jokes, I probably, you know. You might just have been a writer all along. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, I mean, it's cool though, because you're exploring, it just sounds like you're on like a writing adventure. Right now, definitely. Yeah. Because each of the authors has a different style. When I first read Nabokov, it was like, wow, this guy can write about butterflies. What's going on? (laughs) Then you immediately go from Lolita, which is written first person, to what's his name, Middlemarch, which is written in third person. And it's a completely different thing altogether. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then to go from that to Hamlet, which is another completely oh, different thing. Totally different. Yeah. yeah. And so like you have all of these examples of how people are trying to achieve the same goal, which is, you know, to have an emotional reaction or to say something true about the world, in some cases just to make money. <laughs> but <laughs> Like have all of these different examples to be able to say, oh, well, okay, like I understand why it takes time to learn how to write and Mm -hmm. to do something that people are actually going to enjoy when they read it. And not just because I told a bunch of jokes in the piece. Right. Yeah, that's true, too. Right. Like to, to get to that substance piece of it and to really be able to convey something powerful. Right. Right. It takes time. It does. It does. And, you know, it's true because I think I've encountered people definitely in the 20 plus years I've been a writing coach. There is sometimes a misconception that I can write, you know, I can hold a pen and make words. So obviously I already know how to write. And, you know, it's really not true. (laughs) Always. (laughs) Right. You know, it's a skill. And like, it's a skill. It's like you could pick up a guitar and say, see, I can pluck these strings so I can play the guitar. And it's like, well. (laughs) (laughs) What makes it even truer, well, it's true on multiple levels. So students, when they're writing for the, like, there's a writing component. And universally, almost every student I know, including myself, just skipped the writing portion, skipped studying for the writing portion. Oh, I can do that by myself. I don't need any help. And you read the essays as a tutor. And it's like, no, these essays are terrible. This is not what I'm looking for at all. You know, it goes across the board. And so these days, I just tell people, look, you know, like, why are you reading that book? I'm shooting in the gym. That's all you need to know. This is me. Kobe has some crazy practice stories. This is me taking 800 shots, you know, before I get in the game. (laughs) Yeah, brilliant. That's a great analogy. That's a great analogy. Because it really is true. And I think that writing is one of many things that no matter how good you get at it, there's always something more. There's always some other level or something else to explore. And I think that's part of the fun of it. Right, right, right. But, you know, also with regard to what you were saying, I would also say 
that there's different levels, right? So mm-hmm. sure, yeah. you can pick up a pen, write a book. The question is, what do you want, right? What are you going for? And does your current skill match the thing that you're trying to do? Yeah. And if it does, all right, cool. Nobody needs to go through what I'm going through. <laughs> you know, I tell people like, you know, when they ask me, yeah, I'm probably going overboard. But if you want, start with Stephen King on writing, you know, read that. If you make it through, I'm outstanding. Asking. Yes, that is required reading. That's right. a really good start. Right. Yeah. Like, make it through that book. I'm happy to give you four other titles that I read. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I also think too, like some of us are wired more for certain genres than others, right? Like I'm not the person who's going to write the literary fiction. I'm so much better with nonfiction. Okay. Is that because but you like nonfiction or? I do. I tend to read nonfiction more and I, I do kind of enjoy it, but I like to read literary fiction, but it's not something that necessarily everybody is prone to. I think that some of it has to do with sort of temperament or whatever. I don't know. But I think it is important to realize that there's all kinds of writing and all kinds of styles and they all have some kind of merit, right? And so you don't have to be a brilliant literary writer to have your writing be worth reading. Right, right. Yeah. Definitely agree. An extra book or two couldn't help. I'm just saying. (laughs) Oh, yes. So I'm curious, what are some of your other favorite books on how to write? It's been so long since I've read some of those books. Right now, I am reading, let's see what I have here. I have What If? Writing Exercises for Fiction Writers. Um, Also, I've read it before, but I just keep referring back to it. And it's funny because I'm just looking for the book right now. Give me one second. A lot of people apparently are forced to read it in school and they don't like it, but I've really enjoyed it. Let's see. Mm -hmm. Could it be the elements of style? It is not. I just picked okay. up, I just picked <laughs> up yesterday. Like that's a book. classic. Yeah, I know. I just I've known about it since high school and I've never yeah. actually read it. And it still holds up. Yeah. I think the pronouns need to be updated. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Otherwise, I think it pretty much holds up. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, like I said, I was literally at I was at someone's house. And they had a copy and I was just like, oh, let me take this out. And I was like, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, you're actually reading this right now? Aren't we talking about something? No, no, I'm reading this book now. <laughs> <laughs> the other book that I'm reading on writing is The Art of Fiction by John Gardner. Like I've already read it. And it's one of those books where like he tells you a lot of information. And I think that if you're not really, really into writing, you probably shouldn't read it. Mm-hmm. But if you really are, there's a couple of exercises in the back that are really useful. That's what I'm going through right now, the exercises in the back. Oh, cool. But, you know, he talks about different voices. And the thing that I really find interesting is uh, for some stupid reason, for some reason, not some stupid reason, is prosody or talking about the accents and the stresses on the words and uh-huh. stuff, yeah. that, you know, that sort of thing. Because in all of these old writing books, it keeps coming up, you know, so like now I'm trying to intentionally write with oh this accent goes here this accent goes there especially like if you read shakespeare the original pronunciation yeah. is different totally different play yeah. all together to read it with the accents and the pronunciation just changes it and so they mm-hmm. try to put that in so it kind of forces somebody to read it that the way that you want to read it yeah. and you know you get the tone and all of that stuff 
That's good stuff. <laughs> Very cool. You know who I like that I found? But I found it because of the uh, Gardner book. There's a guy named William Gass, William H. Gass, G-A-S-S. And he can really write or could. Yeah, I think he passed away. Huh. So I did enjoy his stuff. It's really, I'm going to use the word flowery. <laughs> like that sort of flowery. You know, yeah, flowery. He was fun to learn from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's sort of long, flowery, descriptive things. Sometimes, yeah. They talked about like 200 word sentences and apparently, <laughs> yeah, using all of these words to just describe something or. Mm-hmm. So one of the exercises in the John Gardner book was to write a long sentence and have it be 200 words. And so I did that exercise and a 69 word sentence appears in one of my articles as a result of that. (laughs) I'm just thinking this is terrible for SEO. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Clearly these people were writing before the internet. Right, right, right. I get yelled at by my SEO calculator every time I do a blog post with a sentence that's longer than like 20 words. Really? Wow. (laughs) That is, because that sentence worked out really well. (laughs) I know. I'm like, but it's fine. Right. There's commas. Yeah. (laughs) Like this thought needs this many words. Exactly. It's not done. (laughs) Make me cut that up. Uh, when does Google tell us how to write? I don't like that. What I could do, though, if you want, I can, I believe I emailed somebody a list of books once. If I can find it, I can shoot it to you. Oh, that would be lovely. And we could put it in the show notes. Okay. Very fun. Very fun. All right. Well, I cannot, we are like zooming along through the end of this hour. So I have to ask you my hopefully becoming famous last question. Okay. What did I not ask you today that you would like to answer? Hmm. I don't know. I think the thing that I was probably prepared for was there was a question that would have related to rhyme and uh, music. And because I'm actually a musician, like you learn from, I talk about Kobe and Michael, but like also Eminem is an influence. And so there's a story about him rhyming the word orange that I would have loved to tell. And Yeah, so because you know, like they always said that no. So he did it. Okay, well, let's hear the story. Okay, we got time. I want to hear the story. Absolutely, (laughs) I'm sure our listeners are on the edge of their seats. So he had an interview in 60 Minutes, which you can find on the internet, and they talked about how he learned how to rhyme. So he talked about how you know he read the entire dictionary because he wanted to be able to use all of those words when he was rhyming, or as he put it, have them in his arsenal. And he said he gets upset because people say that you can't rhyme the word orange and with anything. He's like, but that's not true because you can bend the word. And, you know, so if you pronounce it the right way, it does rhyme with other things. So like orange and forage and storage and that sort of thing. And after I saw that interview, Esperanza Spaulding put out a song called Winter Sun where she rhymes the word orange with the word crunch. With the word crunch. Crunch. Crunch? Yes, crunch. Oh, neat. Because it's, when autumn leaves have lost their crunch and turn to confetti brown and orange. It's just like, wow, "Wow, how'd you do that? (laughs) Wow, you can sing. Thank you. (laughs) I was supposed to warn you. (laughs) I'm sorry, I got totally distracted. (laughs) That is amazing. 
but yeah, just like just because of the way she pronounced it, like yeah. it rhymes, and you would never think that these two words could ever rhyme. So you know, like just that, you know, like that sort of thing. M actually influenced me starting from when his first album came out, and you know, it was a slow like you know you start hearing things. So M, his first song, which is My Name Is, that most people probably won't want to listen to, but one of the first rhymes he does what says it was i can't get my head straight but i'm trying i can't figure out which spice girl i want to impregnate (laughs) (laughs) i'm just like i was gonna say i think that that's something that like in general i think rap like so many rap artists it's really genius how they maybe squish two sounds together or pull them apart or stretch them out but in order to create rhymes where they don't appear to be which is something i've enjoyed about rap music yeah and like i said just to have that as an influence and just see these people you know like listening to hip-hop listening to jazz listening to all of this different kind of music to see how they create things Mm -hmm. and then that was just like all of the influences and then prince the rock and roll hall of fame while my guitar gently weeps. Oh, wasn't that something? Yeah. Those kind of influences is probably the answer to your question. Just like these random bits of genius are what like really influenced me. Yeah. And they all go into the mix, right? Right. Because there is a rhythm to writing. There, even just in writing prose, right? That you can, there's a cadence depending on what you're writing and Oh yeah, no, there has to be. Create, you, you know, that the cadence should be there. There should be that feeling of some kind of rhythm. And it would vary depending on what you're writing. But Right. I mean, actually, a good writing book, Roy Peter Clark, Writing Tools. Who's the author again? Roy Peter Clark. Roy Peter Clark, Writing yeah, Tools. So okay, uh, I don't know that one. So this is really yeah, great. So it starts off, I think it used to be called 50 Writing Tools, but there's actually 55 tips. Oh, okay. <laughs> that he talks about his rhythm and how... If you write and all of the words, all of the sentences are the same length, it eventually gets monotonous. But mm-hmm. if you change it up and you have like a four sentence, four words there, one word there, 20 words there, it yep. really starts to pop out and just changes what it is that you're, what a person is hearing, even though they're just reading. So true. Somebody should tell Google that. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll do that for you. Okay, thanks. I'll get right on it. <laughs> All right, Dwayne, on that note, because this is too much fun. <laughs> but on that note, what better note could we possibly end on? I just want to thank you so much for being here with us and sharing all these incredible insights and tips on the Author's Corner. Thank you very much for having me. Really appreciate it. And if you need me to come back and crack some more jokes, I'll come back anytime. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of The Author's Corner. You're one step closer to writing the world-changing book you've dreamed about for years. To access today's show notes and other helpful resources, simply visit our website at theauthorscorner.com. A positive review would be appreciated. Until next time. 